Hello, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gary. And welcome to episode 25 of Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast where we take a deep dive into a random film chosen by our guest host. Each session we will pick a particular theme and this season it's Cinematic Classics. Today we are joined by Sarah Meikle who has decided that this episode we will be taking a look at Pirates of the Caribbean. So Sarah, <laughs> thank Hi. you for joining us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, my name's Sarah. I am an actress. Um, I also have done a little bit of modelling uh, on the side here and there, but mainly acting, uh, mostly theatre work but up until the past year or so and then I've started doing some film and tv um I'm really passionate about self-development I love meditation and all that jazz and yeah I'd say that's probably me in a nutshell perfect thank you and why did you pick this film just purely because it's one of my favorites so when you guys said cinematic classic I didn't need to think very hard about it I was like I know what one I'm going to go for because um, I feel like a lot of the other big ones that I think other people might choose are not really like I don't mind them but I'm not big on like for example like all the superhero movies or anything like that it's not really my thing so this was the one that just came to mind first and yeah it's one of my favorites and I love it oh wonderful well looking forward to chatting about it and Sarah what would you rate this film out of 10 I feel like I've got to give it a 10 out of 10 like, I have to, I feel like I can't come on here and go, uh, it's one of my favourites, but I'm only going to give it, like, six. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to start off strong. I'm going to start off strong and give it a ten. And I know that might change, but I'm going to go with ten. Cool. Gary, what would you rate the film? I would actually give it a nine out of ten. I think it is a perfectly crafted film. It is a little too long for a kid's film. Although, saying that now, like stuff like Avengers is like three and a half hours and stuff, so kids are learning to sit through films that are longer. But, like, there's wonderful sets, wonderful characters, there's a sense of adventure. But I think all of that is also its downfall because it brought some not so good sequels after it. But for this as a standalone film, I think, yeah, nine out of ten. Cool. And I gave it an 8.9. So nearly at the nine point. But um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to discuss it because all of these scores may change. But um, I commend you on picking 10, Sarah. I think you're the only person that has picked 10 so far. <laughs> I just feel I have to be confident in my own choices. You know, I can't start off like I can bring it down if I need to, but you know. <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> and for our listeners at home, here is a little synopsis. So blacksmith Will Turner teams up with eccentric pirate Captain Jack Sparrow to save his love, the governor's daughter, from Jack's former pirate allies who are now undead. You don't know what this is, do you? Aztec gold. The heathen gods placed upon the gold a terrible curse. Ten years we search. Every last piece we have found, save for this. Hello, Bobby. They've taken Elizabeth. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. We must save her. Where do we start? Jack Sparrow. He talked about the Black Pearl. Make a deal with him. He can lead us to it. You forget your place. You are a blacksmith. 
If you spring me from this cell, I shall take you to the Black Pearl and your bonnie lass. You're a pirate. I forgot one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. So, as you will know, we will each go round picking three positive points on the film. Um, so, Gary, would you like to go first with your point? Yeah, so mine's quite a large point, so feel free to jump in at any point on it. But it's basically just how perfectly written each of the characters are. And I think they're all so different, but they really like, pop on screen. For me, like, Will is the 100% pure good guy. And he almost has to learn to break the rules to save the day to become a better man. Um, so at the start, he won't believe that he's got the blood of a pirate running through his veins. And he's also beaten twice by Jack in their sword fights because he won't fight dirty. But finally, he learns that he has to like break the rules. He has to sail under the reign of a pirate. He springs Jack from jail. He also double-crosses Jack to save Elizabeth and then mans a pirate ship. And to me, although this is a kid's film, there's almost traces of the same thing that Michael Corleone has to embrace in The Godfather. Like, he's this 100% good soldier who will do no wrong and then embraces this dark persona. Not not obviously as dark as The Godfather, <laughs> but these dark elements to almost become this better person. I, so I just watched it again last night. Obviously, seen it about a million times, but I thought I'll give myself another refl- refresher last night. And that was the first time I think I watched it. And I thought, obviously, it's a Disney film, but that's the first time I looked at Will, and I was like, he's like the perfect Prince Charming, if you like, of this film. He's so pure and he's so good, and he just loves Elizabeth, and everything he does is for her, and he's so selfless. And I don't think I ever really noticed that when I watched it when I was younger. I was just like, oh, it's not. It's a film about pirates, but. Actually, it still kind of follows the typical Disney formula, which is quite cool. I would also say, although like there is like nice traits and there is a character arc in there, he is probably the most blandest character out of like yeah. our main characters, <laughs> which is unusual because, and we can kind of debate this, but to me, he is the main character. He is the protagonist. It is his story. Um, so for him to be like the blandest character it is quite unusual. I think yeah, as well, thought about that, actually. there's like bits where, just going back on the whole selfless thing, whenever he gets commended on how good the sword is, he's like, okay, I'll pass that on to my manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's so humble. He's so humble. And it's like, oh, you're so sweet. Like You're not even going, well, actually, yeah, he's a drunk. He just sleeps all day. I'm the one that makes the swords. <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah. I love that scene as well where the the blacksmith knocks Jack out and then he gets like awarded and he's like just doing my civic duty sir or something <laughs> so like that it's great <laughs> and Will's just like I've literally just been dueling with this guy for like 20 minutes yeah. <laughs> so unfair it's funny how they both sort of haven't argued with the point like they've not disputed like went, well actually it wasn't me that made the sword or well actually it wasn't me that <laughs> They both went along with it, but both completely different characters. And I'll take the praise. Thank you very much. And yeah, yeah. I'll pass that yeah. praise yeah. on. <laughs> so then there's Elizabeth Swan. And to me, she's more than just a woman stuck in a man's world. But she's represented in that way at the start. So she's dressed in a corset, which ironically almost kills her. Um, <laughs> she doesn't want to be treated like royalty. She doesn't want to be called by uh, her surname, like she doesn't want to be known as Miss Swan, she wants to be known as 
Elizabeth and Norrington only sees her as this beautiful woman, almost this trophy wife that can be by his side. And at the same time, Will constantly thinks she needs saving, but she actually goes to the Black Pearl willingly. Like, she's the first person that actually makes an effort to save Port Royal when it's attacked. And it's funny because she seems more scared than being placed into a marriage than she does being kidnapped by pirates. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the thought of marriage actually scares her more. Um, but she is clever. She knows the rules of the pirates. And at the end, I don't think it's a coincidence that she's dressed in that red coat uniform because she almost has become this soldier of the seas. And yeah. let's remember as well, Kira Knightley is only 18 in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, it's scary, like, how young she is, but has embraced so much character in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think she's actually a really good character. Again, like watching it with fresh eyes last night, um, what I liked about it is, or what I noticed, sorry, about her character is that I think she's bored in the world that she's in. So when she, when they first, when she's young, I think she might be like 10 in the first scene maybe, and they find a, the young Will Turner Obviously, she she does the, the the right thing that she thinks and protects him and conceals the fact that he's got the pirate medallion. But I think she you know she always keeps it. She doesn't just throw it away. She's like, I'm going to keep this, and it feels like it's always sort of intriguing her, and she kind of wants to be part of this bigger, more exciting lifestyle rather than just being a woman that wears nice dresses and gets married one day. I know because she goes over to the drawer, doesn't she, and she pulls out the the necklace. And I think that is to show that she's always going and having a look. But at the same time, she must be placing that perfectly back in the drawer because there's a dustbin <laughs> from where she lifts it from. <laughs> like each time she's True. delicately putting it back. <laughs> yeah. True. I don't know if that was supposed to be symbolic. I don't know if she if she kinda knows that like the Commodore's gonna propose and that sort of maybe I don't know, like her one last look at this. Yeah, other life that she, that she could, could have. have had yeah i think it like she ha- she wants that sense of adventure she doesn't want it to end and it feels like she she is very vocal in a lot of like the attacks and going we need to do this and we need to do that and it's it's cool to have that that she's just wanting to take control and wanting to voice um like even when they get the black peril i think it is she says to them right we need to go and help we need to go get jack and they're like no nah. <laughs> so she she does naturally take a bit of a leader role. Yeah, there's there's that comical scene where she does say to them that the pirates' code is more like guidelines, and then yeah. <laughs> it just cuts to her on the wee robot herself, and you you think they're going to help, and that's like this big speech she's given, and then it just doesn't work. It flips it on its head. It's quite funny. Yeah, she's uh, just like bloody pirates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, good. So then we've got Barbosa, and to me, he's like a really great villain for this world. What's the actor called again? Jeffrey Rush. His, Jeffrey Rush, yeah. Yeah, his voice is incredible with that pirate laugh and stuff. But what I like is how many's crew aren't pure evil. It's almost this tragic storyline. They they were filled with greed, and now they're cursed. And their goal isn't to kill anyone. It's just to break this curse. And it's shown obviously in that scene where. They cut Elizabeth Pam rather than kill her. So it shows that they're not all out evil. And I think that's that's better because then you can almost relate to them in a way. Like, what would you do if you were in that situation? You would probably do anything you can to try and return this treasure and break break the curse. 
Yeah, I think Barbosa is such an iconic character. Like, I remember watching it um, when I was younger with my family, and he's my dad's favourite character. Like, my dad used to walk about the house quoting Barbosa and all that. <laughs> he just loved it so much. Um, but I think he's got some great lines. Like, see that line where he says, You best start believing in both stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. Like, that is like yeah. such an iconic line. Like, that is like one, in my opinion, one of the best lines in any movie ever. Like, it's just so good. And, it's so scary like I remember watching I don't remember exactly what age it was when it came out but I remember seeing that scene and being pretty scared like and I think I was maybe a teenager but I was still a little bit like oh yeah I really like that it's <laughs> quite scary so yeah yeah, yeah I, he's so good he's the only person in it as well who actually plays like an all-out pirate if you think of a pirate like he's got the the laugh and the r and even the bit with that one word that he says when he walks up to I think it's Will Turner. He walks up and just goes, "Agreed," and it's that voice. <laughs> yeah. It's it's magical. But um, other mm. characters have other elements to their personality. But he is just an a pirate, and it's great just pirate. to watch him take that on. Yeah, yeah. you can yeah, also kind of understand his actions and his motives as well. Like it would have been a completely different film if he just went up to <laughs> Will Turner and went, "Right, Will." Here's the script. <laughs> we're all cursed. Can you just come with us and just <laughs> cut your finger a wee bit and we're all yeah. okay? Yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of, when he's telling the story to Elizabeth, how, you know, he, he misses the taste of food and wine and things like that and sensations, you're kind of like, yeah, I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. It's not all about we want to rule the world and we want to, you know, take all the gold. It's We just want to live with what left the curse and you're like yeah it's totally justified <laughs> and he's quite charming as well in some ways I think when he's especially when he is talking to Elizabeth like you can tell that probably maybe a hundred years ago or however long they've been cursed for I don't know he was probably quite good with the ladies because he is quite charming um and yeah. he is intelligent you know when he answers her as well like when he says oh we're not but humble pirates but then he gives her a big long answer in return and you're like oh okay no you are actually quite intelligent and yeah even when he um, cuts her palm and she, you know, she drops the blood and that's it. And then Elizabeth's like, is that it? Is that <laughs> We could have had a done? completely different journey. I would have sat very nicely <laughs> if that's all you needed. Um, it's funny when they are in the, they are like surrounded by the treasure and they think they have broken the curse. And then it's like, how do we know? And Barbosa shoots one of the, the pirates and he's like, you're not dead. <laughs> and he's like, you just shot me. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a good scene. It's the way he rolls his eyes as well. Like, how do we find out? He's like, for God's sake, bang. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then lastly, we come to Jack, who obviously is the most iconic character in this franchise and this film. But he is the wild card that just can't be trusted. He's dishonest. He's a thief, a drunk. He cheats on women, he manipulates Will, he manipulates the Royal Navy and Barbosa. And we find out as well that he's manipulated other characters in his past and double-crossed them just to get what he wants. So we know as an audience that we can't trust him. I think there's I think it's one of the scenes at the end, Elizabeth says, Whose side is Jack on? And Will says, At the moment, ours, which just shows that he'll just sway from one side to the other. But you love to watch him on screen. And I think that's down to, obviously, Johnny Depp's performance as well. But it is a well-written character. Just to quickly go on to the sequels, I think this is where they fail because 
Jack Sparrow works for me best as like a secondary character, the mm-hmm. same way like Hannibal Lecter works as a secondary character. You know, he's not the main plot point, but in future films, he's the hero, he's the goodie, so we know that he's going to save the day. You know, and so yeah. it doesn't work as well. But in this film, I think it's just perfect. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, he is, he's so captivating to watch. Like he's, I think he did a really good job with this character. Um, I heard somewhere that he based like some of the mannerisms off of Keith Richards. I'm not sure if that's true, but I can kind of believe it. Yeah, because then in some, one of the later ones, Keith Richard plays his dad. His dad. Yeah. yeah, so I think it probably is true. But um, yeah, he's just such a funny character and you end up not really caring whose side he's on or if he's good or bad because you're just enjoying watching him. Like, he's just so funny. Um, I love the scene as well where Will Turner does, uh, is asking why he does all these strange movements and he ch- kind of impersonates him. It's such a good scene because, um, yeah, his body language and his facial expressions and just everything, it's, it's just spot on. It's so enjoyable. And let's just remember that this film, this script, is based on a theme park ride and so this could have been bad, but yeah. I think the script and the characters is just what what gives it that that star quality. I was thinking about that last night because we, so I made uh, my boyfriend watch The Haunted Mansion, you know, that film, Eddie Murphy film, um, at Halloween time. And I was like, oh, that's based on that ride as well. It was weird. It was as if like Disney just went, mm, kind of running out of film ideas. Let's have a look at what rides do we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do Pirates of the Caribbean, do The Haunted Mansion. Like, it's just so funny. But yeah, as you say, for being based on a ride, it's turned it turned out miraculously well. Like you would it feels like it's a book or something a bit mm-hmm. more substantial than just a roller coaster. Not even a great, it's not even a good one. <laughs> I actually didn't realise that it was based on the roller coaster. I thought that came after mm-hmm. the film. Um, but that's interesting because like that bit when, you know, he goes, You better start believing in ghost stories, blah blah blah. <laughs> and she's getting chucked about the shit you watch and you go gosh this feels like a ride this must be where they got the inspiration from but there you go it's the other way around yeah but that's the ride's not even exciting (laughs) like it's literally not I think I cared for it and then it went it's closed technical difficulties I was like well there we go I mean it's literally you're just on a little boat going about five mile an hour through these like pirate villages but yeah it's obviously that's where they got the inspiration from but yeah I agree that scene definitely feels like like a roller coaster or something to be honest that's the scene that i get kind of taken out of because i think it's so much like a ride um maybe it was just this time watching it as a kid i would have probably loved it but i was like why they thrown her about i was overthinking it (laughs) (laughs) no i know what you mean actually yeah i know what you mean watching it watching it as an adult it is very different you can see like it to me that scene felt like okay we're just going to be scary pirates for five minutes like and yeah. deliberately scatter you know but it is yeah. the reveal isn't it it's the reveal of the curse at that point so they're going to try and just make it over the top a wee bit to yeah. put that fear into the children and that as well go back to like uh, jack as well I, I was reading that quite a lot of it was very improvised like that word that he just goes savvy like all the time that's that was just him sort of improvising and also i read that they considered they offered the role to Robert De Niro. I don't know if that... What? Yeah, apparently they were, they wanted him to play it and he went, no, I just can't see it. I, like a pirate film being a success. And then saw the success of Pirates of the Caribbean and then that's when he 
decided I think I'm going to explore it and that film Stardust I think he plays like a pirate mm, in that. that's right yeah he did um, well to be no but to be fair um, a lot of pirate films before this did flop yeah and I think it is a hard a hard film to do well obviously the answer is make them zombies because that's basically <laughs> what they are yeah <laughs> pirate zombies yeah. That's, that's, it's, that's what sells apparently <laughs> Do you want to go next, Sarah? Yeah, um, so watching it, and actually anytime I think about this movie, I always think of the soundtrack. Um, I just think the music is absolutely brilliant. Like, it's got that iconic theme that, yeah, it just stirs something up in you. I don't know, when I hear the soundtrack, I feel like I want to go and be a pirate, <laughs> go and sail on a ship and explore the world. So yeah, I think the soundtrack in this is really strong. Even the the points that aren't as sort of grand as the main theme, like the use of, I think it's panpipes would be the instrument I imagine they are. Um, and the kind of little creepier moments are just so effective. I, I just think it's really well done. That's one of my points as well. I think the music is like so gripping. And like one of the first things that, one of the first sensations that's hit when you switch the film on and it's exciting and it's gripping. And again, like that whole kind of roller coaster vibe of, oh, something's, something big's going to happen. Um, yeah. It's Hans Zimmer, isn't it, that does the... I think so. Yeah. yeah. It does remind me a little bit of the music from Gladiator and that kind of grand kind of feel of something's coming like let me entertain you kind of feel mm -hmm. to it mm -hmm. that um i quite like as well it's it just shows you the power of music and sounds i think it's so clever yeah well, yeah it must be iconic especially the main theme when tiesto the dj did a remix of the pirates of the caribbean theme <laughs> did he i don't so, think i know that <laughs> you can find you can find that on youtube so yeah. Wow. Gary, you're giving us an insight into your music taste. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I that isn't that was me younger loving pirates of the Caribbean and searching for it anywhere and stumbling across Tiesto. Stumbling, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, the music does work really well for the grand uh, scenes with like the ship chases and stuff like that as well. But also it kind of goes that wonky way or like wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like for instance when Jack uh, is sailing towards Port Royal and it's like really triumphant music and then he steps onto the port and his ship just sinks and the music changes along perfectly with that yeah that was actually I wrote that down when I was when I was watching it Jack's entrance best entrance for any character mm. in any film was so funny because it just sets him up perfectly uh huh because you're like oh wow there's this like I'm, I'm sorry I'm just gonna I can't believe I've got 25 minutes in and haven't said this this really stunning pirate right <laughs> that everyone's gonna fancy and he's on a ship and then it's just like slowly sinking but he doesn't care because he's confident he just steps onto the dock and he's like yeah cool that's my ship there no totally so good. it's totally like a representation of just how he is as a person like just just missed the mark yeah you <laughs> <laughs> tried but yeah he's still proud to be sailing that boat that's leaking in water and he'll still stand <laughs> proud to the last second when he steps onto the dock pays for and it and everything <laughs> yeah just keep it for me for a week because yeah. <laughs> there is that that line as well isn't it where Norrington says, I don't see your ship. And he's like, I'm in the market. 
and, and he's just <laughs> he's so, so confident. Yeah. So confident. And I love how he's always correcting people when they say Jack Sparrow and he's like, Captain Jack Sparrow. He's so like... Yeah. Even yeah. when he's about to be executed, he's like, for goodness sake. Yeah, that's the one thing that's annoying him because they don't say Captain. He's like... Um, well, my next point is the ghost story in general. Like, um, we've kind of spoke about how this is different from any other pirate film, but I didn't feel like it was too much and I didn't feel like... It was up in our faces and it was believable and I found myself intrigued. Like, I want to know about the ghost story um, and they sell it really well to Elizabeth when she's so young that it's one of those stories that just follows her until she's, you know, a young lady. And it kind of reminded me of, like, those little stories that your mum and dad would tell you um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you still think about when you're growing up going, oh, like, those stories always stick with you. Yeah, um, yeah. there was a lot mm-hmm. of characterization in it rather than just <laughs> aimless yeah, zombies yeah. kicking about a boat <laughs> I think that's the thing about ghost stories is that um, like adults love them as well so even if you don't believe whatever it is it's, to, it's such an interesting thing to talk about and that's why I love the scene when Jack's trying to commandeer the ship and the two guards try and stop him and he just gets them chatting about the Black Pearl and they're just discussing between themselves like I have seen it well you've not seen it you've seen a ship with black sails and you know what I mean they're just like going back and forth with this this story and obviously that gives him time to to get on but I think that's really masterfully done because yeah even regardless to you believing that it's cursed you know a cursed ship and it's whatever it's an interesting story and people will talk about it people will gossip about it so totally it's when they're in the cell as well um and you know jack's in there and he's next to like all these prisoners that are trying to lure the dog to get the key (laughs) and they're looking out the cell window and they're like oh it's the black peril and then one of them goes legend says no one survived and then captain jack goes well how how do you know these stories then yeah yeah (laughs) it's like so clever and totally up there of just everybody just takes a minute and goes oh yeah that's a really good point but I still believe I still believe it (laughs) I think as well all the characters have got their own curse in some way so like you've got Barbosa's crew who are obviously cursed visually and that's supposed to give us a scare but even Will Turner's name is cursed because it is actually a pirate that is his dad and even though he tries to deny it it is something that's going to haunt him unless he embraces it and you've got Elizabeth's character as well who is almost not a curse but this overbearing I can't think of the word now (laughs) Um, (laughs) she basically got this overbearing life that she's going to be in royalty she's going to have to marry this man and she needs to escape that and to that that could feel like a curse to her this life when she seeks adventure since she obviously met well so long ago so they've got these lives that could be looked at as cursed lives unless they try and escape it or embrace it i know i never i never considered that but you're right they're kind of all cursed even if they're not uh, cursed in the way that barbosa and his crew is they've all got their own sort of personal demons i guess that they're they're trying to battle and just talking about the zombie um crew the cgi still holds up really well i mean when was this mm. film out again? Can we remember? I think it was early 2000s. And why I think it still holds up really well is because they're clever the same way Steven Spielberg is clever. And when he's using CGI, he does it at night. 
so you can hide in the shadows of like darkness and I think that stops the aging so much and mm -hmm. it, as Rebecca said it's not overused I mean there's maybe yeah. three or four scenes in the full film the film's nearly three hours long like so three or four scenes isn't a lot but there's enough in there that you know it you understand it and I guess you're meant to fear it it does still look really good. And as I said, I remember, yeah, I think it must have come out about 2003, 2004, because I feel like I was just going into high school. Like, I feel like I was starting high school when it came out. And then, because I remember going to Florida after seeing it and being like, oh my God, I'm going to go on the ride. It's going to be amazing. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Disappointed. But um, yeah, like I remember being genuinely quite scared. And now as I watch it as an adult, obviously I'm aware that it is CGI and stuff like that. But I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, that looks rubbish. Like, I'm like, that's actually, for being made in the early 2000s, like, that's really good. And it has held up. And as you're saying, they do do it really masterfully. Like, because some of my favourite scenes, there was one, as I was watching it last night, where one of the crew comes from the bottom deck and he just runs up the stairs. But as he's running up the stairs, the moonlight hits, so he changes. And it's so quick, but mm -hmm. it's just so good. Like, it's so effective. When they walk under the ship as well, like... Oh, when they're underwater. That's epic. Like, that's such a good scene. There's this scene as well where Jack and Verbosa are fighting on the island and there's moonlight streaming through the cave and they step in and out of that as yeah. well and it's it's almost this flawless transition. And what I like as well is it's more just on Jack and Verbosa but they still look like their characters even when they're zombies. You yeah. can still look at them and go, yep, that's still Jack and that's still Verbosa and things like that. Yeah, it's really impressive actually when you think think about how long ago it was made now. It's really impressive and what, what we could probably do with it now, but I'm actually really glad it's not made now because I think it they would have just used it too much. So yeah. yeah. I'm one of the people that strongly believes if you can get it in camera, get it in camera and what you can't get in CGI and yeah, yeah it'd just be over overdone now. And when you look at films that are newer that look worse, like, you know, Sharknado. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I know. I have. I think a lot of the CGI that now is bad, and I just think, and it's such a shame because it can really make or break something for me personally. Like if I see something that's really, really bad CGI, it just takes me out of the whole experience, and I'm just like, oh, I don't believe it because I just know I'm watching a TV show or a film now. You know? Yeah. Well, a good example of that would be Lord of the Rings and then The Hobbit, where. Mm. Lord of the Rings, there's parts that are CGI and you can get away with it, but then they try to use CGI to its extreme for The Hobbit and it looks cartoony. Like, the monsters yeah. look like cartoons in a live-action film. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I know how hard it is to make a film, so I don't I don't like this in films, but... <laughs> Definitely. Stuff, yeah. yeah. I think as well, just on that point, um, like, the Star Wars, like, the original films where... They were re-released and Lucas was like, let's just throw in something in here and in there. And it just doesn't look like it belongs. Yeah. And even though you're watching it going, okay, that's that's definitely just like a puppet. That's definitely <laughs> just like, you know, a machine. Um, 
this CGI animal or monster that you've just put in just does not look like it belongs and that takes you out of it and it's mm-hmm. bad to think that you're more convinced by <laughs> a puppet probably than something that's CGI and yeah I think your brain just accepts that you're watching an old film and it's going to be a puppet or something like that so your brain's like okay cool yeah that's fine but then when you yeah when you see something like that it's like no that's clearly uh-huh yeah, yeah, it's not as effective. I was thinking the exact same. At least with like puppets or animatronics or stop motion, it can only look so bad and then it can't look any worse than that again. But the more CGI evolves, it's just going to look worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. You know, but stop motion or puppets, they look like puppets and they can't look any worse than that. And that's yeah. it. And therefore doesn't age as well as, mm-hmm. you know, so the age span gets short and short. Because that's what I mean. I think p- films like Pirates, there's another film I watched and I thought, maybe it was Lord of the Rings. I thought, wow, that's really held up. But it's, yeah, they're kind of long lasting. Whereas now I feel like you can watch a film from like a year ago and already it's looking, it's looking yeah. bad, you know. So. Cool. Well, speaking of bad, that goes on to <laughs> my next positive point, though, which is... <laughs> Um, just how good and bad is represented in this film. I think there's like a really strong message and it's a theme that is looked at throughout the film. So what is right and wrong? Can you be a pirate and a good man? And the film decides to keep that quite blurred throughout the full film. So you've got Jack Sparrow and he must find this balance of helping Will but also helping himself. The British Navy, they hang pirates as soon as they land on Port Royal. They believe that pirates are pure evil. But it's pirates that first go after Elizabeth to try and save her. You know, it's Jack and, and Will. Um, mm-hmm. And if we look at this as Will and Elizabeth's story, they are our heroes, then to me it's actually Norrington who blocks their goals and blocks their motivations. So therefore he's the antagonist of the story. It's not mm-hmm. Barbosa's crew. Um, but watching the film, you know that Norrington isn't a bad person He's not a dictator or anything like that. <laughs> if anything, actually, he's completely stupid for agreeing to marry a woman who's only marrying him to get what she wants. But yeah. that's another <laughs> another story. Um, but Barbosa's crew are evil-looking villains who, as we said, they kill and plumage and genuinely look scary. But they're not the opposing villains to our heroes. You know, they've just got their own thing they're trying to do and our heroes get wrapped up in that. And I think that's why you almost feel sorry for Barbosa mm-hmm. when he gets what he wants at the end but he has to die to do that so he feels human at the end but that costs him his life yeah so it's Mm. i think it's the main character's beliefs that shape what's good or bad so at the start as we've kind of said will thinks that pirates are bad and and obeying the rules is good but his beliefs change throughout the film and then there's elizabeth who thinks being a good person is someone that's willing to break the rules for the right reasons. You've got Norrington who believes that rules are there to keep the world and society at peace and justice needs to be served if they're broken. Mm-hmm. And you've got Barbosa and his team who broke the law but are willing to break more rules to fix their mistakes. And then you've got Jack who deliberately is the grey area of all of their <laughs> emotions. All of the beliefs. above. Yeah. <laughs> and the film ends with a quote by Elizabeth's dad. I can't remember the character's name, so forgive me. Um, but he says, perhaps on the rare occasion pursuing the right course demands an act of piracy. Piracy itself can be the right course. And I think that's one of the last lines in the film. And yeah. I think it just sums up that it is like 
there is good and there is bad, but we are all shades of grey. Yeah, definitely. I love the scene where, because this really stuck out to me when I was watching it last night, where Jack, Spad- Jack Sparrow's telling Will, yeah, your dad was bootstrap Bill, your dad was a pirate, and you're just going to have to deal with that. And obviously Will's really not wanting to accept that his dad was a pirate because in his mind, pirate equals bad. And, you know, Jack says, you know, you can accept that your dad was a pirate and a good man, or you can't, you know, and it's all about what what you can accept. Because I think that just speaks to like a wider thing with humans in general, is we just want to put people in boxes and be like, good person, bad person. But the reality is not that at all. We've all got shades of good and bad and, and yin and we'll yang in us. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that that is, you're right, it's constantly kind of like a running theme throughout the film and getting you to think well, maybe sometimes doing the the right thing might also get you in a bit of trouble with other people, but it doesn't mean it's not the right thing. And it's just all down to your, I suppose, your own beliefs and your own morals. And yeah. I think it ends with um, Norrington as well, when they're like, should we go get him, sir? Like, will we go after him? And he has that moment. He goes, nah, let's give him a few days <laughs> so we can give him a bit of a head start, a bit of a chance. Yeah. And it kind of shows you as well that he's obviously living up to some ideal of what he should be writing. Like, even the proposal to Elizabeth is like so robotic as if he's like written <laughs> it out horrible. and memorised it. And he's like, <laughs> you're, a, you're a good woman, a loyal woman, and I'm a loyal man, and this is the right decision. Like, I know. No, like he doesn't want, it doesn't feel like he wants to or doesn't have any like true emotions or if he does they're all suppressed because he's like I'm you know I'm in charge um yeah so it's nice yeah. to see him kind of loosen off towards mm-hmm. the end of the film and even the two uh, characters who are in Barbosa's crew I can't remember the name the, the comedic duo oh yeah um is it Rigetti I don't know I don't um, know. <laughs> but like you could easily have seen them be part of Jack's crew. It's just that they're in with the wrong bunch. It's almost like wrong place, wrong wrong time and wrong situation. And now they're uh-huh. stumbled onto this Black Pero and now part of their <laughs> team, you know? Yeah, they're really, I think they're really effective, those two characters. Yeah, the guy that keeps losing his eye and they just can't keep it together. And I mm. love the scene where um, they're dressed up as women and they just end up fighting because one of them says, you look nice or something. And he's like, I look nice. And yeah. <laughs> such a ridiculous yeah it's such a ridiculous scene but it, it does have those amazing like comedy elements that just still make me laugh to this day they're so funny even when they're discussing what happened to bootstrap and <laughs> one of them's trying to tell it really dark and the other one's repeating every word that he says and he's like i'm telling the story <laughs> <laughs> so good they're so relatable aren't they because it's that way where you're when you're telling a story maybe to your family and somebody keeps cutting and you're like gonna shut up i'm telling a story (laughs) sarah what's your next point um casting i think was just i know we've kind of said this already but i think it was perfectly cast um especially barbosa especially um jeffrey rush was just uh, yeah you couldn't have picked anyone better i don't think for that part um obviously Johnny Depp, uh, Orlando Bloom. And, but even even the smaller parts, as we were saying, even the little comedy roles, yeah, I just thought every single character, there wasn't one character that I thought, mm, didn't really believe them or didn't really, you know, because even I love one of my favourite characters and she's in it for about five minutes, but you know the woman that is like giving Jack a hard time because he took her boat? Yeah. She's like, you stole my boat. Like, she's so good. She's such a badass. She's so funny. She's in it for 
but 10 minutes, but she's so good. Is that the actress? Does she not stay with the crew? Is that not the actress mm-hmm. that plays, um, what's her name, from Star Trek? It's Zoe Solanda from um, Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. Oh, I didn't even know that. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's her. <laughs> but yeah, she's so good. And she's only in it for five, ten minutes, but she's got such a strong character and she's so angry at Jack for stealing her boat. And yeah, I just thought casting for this film was really, really well done. She as well gives Kira Knightley a run for her money with the scenes that they're in together when they're trying to um, outrun the Black Peril and they're trying to like toss stuff off the ship to make it lighter and they're almost arguing about what to do and she does, she's only on screen for a short amount of time but gives it a role Mm -hmm. and I think it's good as well having a character both of them are really strong female characters and I think seeing that, whatever age I was, maybe 12 13, um, was really inspiring because you know even, I can't remember her character's name but she's steering the ship, you know she's steering the Black Peril she's the one that's at the helm of the ship and I like watching it last night I was like that's really cool I never really thought about it consciously when I was watching it when I was younger but now I'm older I'm like yeah that's so good that you know you're getting to see a film with a where a woman is calling the shots and steering the ship it's just really cool yeah it's, it's a very male dominated film but the women in it even though it's only those two women that have really got parts in it they are quite decent parts like mm-hmm. we've spoke about how at first you might think Elizabeth Swan is a damsel in distress but she's really not and she doesn't need saving by the time they get to her to save her she's already almost saved himself saved herself yeah yeah and she goes to save them multiple occasions so (laughs) yeah my next point is the relationship between Jack and Will and we've kind of touched on it already but just that whole kind of bromance that they have that's um very much like they like each other, but they also can't stand one another, especially like on Will's end. Like there's bits where he's like, you don't want to reveal your name, your surname. I'm t- I'm trying to save you. And it's like, I just really like how they're there to help each other, but also would probably push each other in front of a bus. That fighting scene that goes on for like <laughs> 20 minutes or something <laughs> when with the, the swords and things. It's just so clever um, how he's mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to leave. Well done. Good job. Well, Turner, like you gave me a run for my money, but I need to go now. And he's like, no, you're staying. We're, we're fighting this out. And yeah. it's just on that fight scene. It's like the first time they're meeting, but it already feels like there's a spark. There's a connection um, there's chemistry. And they're just complete opposites, aren't they? Like, Will is so good and so pure and so honest. And Jack is like, I will do whatever I need to do to save myself, basically. So, <laughs> so that's what works. I think that's what makes them so enjoyable to watch as like a wee duo because they're so different. Yeah, you could compare it to other films where it's like almost buddy cop films, whether to like Rush Hour or mm-hmm. um, Lethal Weapon, where it's like two completely opposing characters have to work together. Um <laughs> Or you'll get films as well where it's like maybe a police officer and a criminal that have to work together to go on a mission. And it is kind of like that where Will is a man at Willoughby, the rules, and Jack is the criminal. And they have to work together to save, well in their eyes, save the girl. And then they learn so much about each other and themselves along the way. And I think scenes like the sword fight in the blacksmith's workshop, they work really well because this film doesn't 
have an action scene, then they stop and talk, then an action scene, then they stop mm. and talk. What this film does is they talk during the action scenes and you find out about the characters and you find out about their past and what their motivations are. So mm. you find out that during this fight scene that Will has been making swords for like ever basically mm -hmm. and you find out he's in love with a woman and he can't get her although we've already had hints of that but you find this out during a fight scene like that's why just to change it really quickly but the first Terminator film works really well because during the car chases you find out about the future and you find out what Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is it's, they don't stop to tell you that it's during these intense scenes and the same is done here yeah, I love that first scene when Will says, you know, I practice with them three hours a day and Jack basically is like, you need to get a life. You practice with them three hours a day. You get out and get a girlfriend. That's what you need. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Gary, I think this is your third point. Yeah, my last point is just about how we spoke about how the film is like nearly, it's two and a half hours long, I think it is anyway, but the midpoint is such a big part of this film and how the characters make choices like almost life-changing choices it's when the the black peril comes up against the interceptor and they have the big shootout with the cannons and the, i think it's the interceptor that's destroyed but you find out well it's, it's done really symbolically but will is drowning in mm -hmm. the ship and then basically is resurrected as a pirate and confesses his name and who is the son of so he's actually went to the bottom of the ocean and been resurrected as a pirate. I think it's so symbolic. Um, so he embraces this pirate life at the midpoint. Then just after that, you find out that Jack is actually a failure, not this amazing man that managed to escape the island, but he was just, he got drunk and was picked up by pure chance. Um, <laughs> so after like the audience have loved watching Jack, who's escaped this island and manages to escape all these tricky situations that in fact he's just been sheer lucky and then you've got Elizabeth Swan who actually takes charge of this Navy fleet and basically persuades them and Commodore Norrington to join forces with Jack and his crew to take on Barbosa's crew so she basically leads that charge. That's I never noticed that um the, the whole resurrection thing that you're saying now I'm like oh wow yeah that totally does happen but it's so it, symbolic, but I never noticed that. That's interesting. Because you never actually see how he escapes. They try and save him, like I'm pretty mm. sure Elizabeth Swan does, and you just keep seeing And then the ship blows up. Yeah. And then suddenly he just arrives, you know, <laughs> on the other ship. <laughs> yeah. so. I've I can't believe I've never noticed that. <laughs> and his dad, obviously, was a cannon they tied to his leg, and dropped him into the ocean so he basically went down to the same waters as his dad but managed to yeah. blow in my mind right now <laughs> <laughs> I guess it kind of mirrors like the start of the film as well where Elizabeth's you know going there's someone in the water like Will's out there we need to save him and it kind of mirrors that kind of the beginning of the film the relationship yeah I like that she's always saving Will she saves him right at the start by just by hiding that medallion because if they'd found that on him I mean They'd probably just got rid of him, wouldn't they? You know, totally lovely. Um, Sarah, what's your final point? Uh, well, it's really not as deep as Gary's, and now I feel quite <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> <my final point. laughs> I literally just wrote uh, quotes, it's very quotable. That's literally what I wrote, but I mean, I, I think, yeah, it is. It's just and 
obviously there's the whole ghost stories one and everything, but there's loads of things that Jack in particular says that are, he's so wise. Like he's actually a really, really wise character and he seems to understand humans and how to manipulate them, obviously, to get what he wants. But as I said earlier, like that whole scene with him and Will and you know how he's saying uh, you can accept that your your father was a pirate and a good man or you can't. And I can bring this, I can't sail the ship on my own, so I can't let you drown. And just all these little things that he kind of throws up. Um, he just has little little uh, sentences that he says throughout the film that are really deep and they just gloss by them. I mean, they don't, I know it's a kid's film, so they don't really spend too much time expanding on them. But when you stop and listen, you're like, that was really profound what he just said. <laughs> um, and me and my family literally quote this film all the time. It's just one of those films for me. And I think that's what makes it so special because you can say one of those quotes and even if you're not a massive Pirates of the Caribbean fan, you'll probably recognise a lot of the lines in it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I would say as well that's what makes it, again, just a great script is the dialogue. Yeah. Like even parts where Commodore Norrington says, you are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. And he's like, but you have heard of me. And then later on, when the way they get the interceptor from um, the Royal Navy and one of Commodore Norrington's right-hand men goes, that is perhaps one of the best pirates I've ever seen. And then he's like, yeah. so it would seem. It would seem. <laughs> and just parts like that as well. And yeah, I love, it's so good. I love the part where... Um, Will is asking one of the crew members how did Jack escape the island and he's like he, he roped up a couple of sea turtles and then sailed out and then he's like what did he use for rope and Jack's just standing there and he's like here from my back and it's <laughs> just here. Yeah. <laughs> so there is some memorable stuff in there and even um, the part where he's like um, Elizabeth agrees to marry Norrington and he's like weddings i love weddings me drinks all around and things like that as well <laughs> yeah it is it's just so quotable and i think that's what really helps the fan base um just having all that these quotes that you can bounce back and forth even like you know when he's i can't remember that is it master briggs is that the, the character that's dead Maybe. superstitious yeah i think you shouldn't briggs, take a like woman that. on board <laughs> yeah 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 and he's like it'll be worse if we didn't take her um but i love the scene where they're in the tavern and jack's explaining who will is and what his plan is and uh and they, they cheers at the end and they just say take what you can give nothing back like we always say that in our family like oh. i don't know what that says about our family but we always say that it's just such a funny pirate thing to say but yeah the, the writing I suppose I wrote quotes I should have probably written script but yeah the writing is just really really good no but the writing is quotable so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool. yeah and that just segues very nicely into my final point which is just the wit and humor of the film really mm -hmm. um there's just some really weird things that happen like <laughs> that bit where they're trying to get their crew and Jack's holding a banana all the way through it and is holding it as if it's like some kind of like knife or like device of like manipulation he's like what do you mean and pointing it and stuff and it's like that guy's holding a banana why is no one <laughs> why is no one asking are you okay like what are you, what are you doing with it and, he's totally um, lost it yeah it's um yeah it's just like you said very quotable very memorable very clever it flows like naturally and cohesively all the way through the film like there's mm -hmm. never a moment where they're like oh I've not 
they've not said anything. Doesn't the humor doesn't come out of nowhere? It's very natural how it progresses through the film, which I really like. And even in the darkest moments, there's still banter and stuff. It's just yeah. Yeah, it doesn't lose pacing either for such a long film. Like for me, it doesn't slow down at any point where you're like, I can't wait for this scene to be over. There's nothing really mm. like that in it. And I think that scene, Rebecca, that you're talking about, is that the part where it's Mr. Cotton's parrot? And he's like, oh, Mr. Yeah. Cotton, would you be willing to lay down your life for me <laughs> and sail with me or something like that? And he's like, oh, he's mute, sir. But we've got the parrot. And he's like, Mr. Cotton's parrot. Same question. <laughs> and it's just like, wind in your sails. And they're yeah. like, we're going with that means yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but it just works. And you're right. It was funny when we went, sat down to watch it last night and I saw it was two hours, 25 minutes, whatever. I was like, no, it's not that long. I don't remember it being that long. No. Like anytime I watch it, it does not feel that long. And, and it's probably is because it's so well paced that you're not sitting there going, oh my God. But I feel. scene's been 20 minutes long. I feel the sequels feel long oh yeah like mm -hmm. i feel that they do feel like can be quite a drag sometimes there's some good scenes and things like that in them but yeah i don't know me too i think the second one was okay like it was yeah i mean it was kind of understandable that they could have made gone a bit deeper into um will turner's dad's story like i like that 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 he got that and he's such a good actor as well but when i think about the i don't really think about the films even as like a series i literally just think about the one film mm -hmm. at this point. So does anyone have any other notes or maybe any like gripes or Yeah, so one thing I've got is just some symbolism it's used at the start that then's brought back. So when Jack and Will are having their duel in the workshop and Will throws his sword and it hangs in the door and Jack can't get the door open. That's then brought back again and it saves Jack's life when he's hanged at the end. It's the exact same move that he does. And you've got the part with the corset that almost kills um, Elizabeth. And then later on at the end, she's like, you want any pain, uh, try wearing a corset. <laughs> and Miss Swan fainting at the start and falling off the cliff. She uses that again, but fakes it out at the end. But then Jack actually falls off the same cliff that she did at the start, at the end. That's how he finds the Black Peril at the end. So there's just lots of wee bits like that in it that work quite well. Um, my only nitpick is there's so much of this film, it's just one person stealing another person's ship and it's this person jumping to this ship and this person jumping to this ship. And I know it's a pirate film, but there's so much set on ships and just stealing ships. It's like, just... You could probably all just equally just split up these ships and just go your own way. Yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't be as much fun though. True. You need, no. you need all the fighting and all the pirate laughing and but all that kind of stuff. Although like, I enjoy every bit of the film, I do feel like it is still quite long. But when I was trying to like think of a resolution for that feedback, I was like, I can't think of any because I couldn't think of anything that I would want to take away or cut out. Um yeah, it would be difficult for me to kind of think of what could they get rid of because everything is really good. The only thing I would get rid of, and it doesn't really need to be taken out, but if you were to try and trim it down, trim the fat off of it, would be the cold open with Will as a kid and Elizabeth Swan as a kid because you could tell that story. You, you basically retell that story through the film anyway. When, when she, You could just start with her looking at the amulet in the drawer 
and then later else Jack asking her where did you get that and then you find out when her and Will are at the bottom of the ship that she took it off of him when he was a kid so they do retell that cold open again so you could do it and leave it with a sense of mystery mm-hmm. yeah because um, you know right from the start basically that Will's a pirate and so mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of all done for you, isn't it? I suppose that's the thing because I, I had to keep reminding myself that it is kind of intended for a younger audience when I was watching it um, because some of the things are really spelled out but then you're like, well, I mean, it is for a young yeah. audience so that makes mm. sense. But they do, in that cold open, what is interesting is it sets the theme and so right away you see a ship that's been blown up and you're told it's pirates and you see the pirate flag and you see a bit of fear in the characters. So right away it sets the mood and the theme and the tone for what's going to happen the rest of the way through it. So it does. It still adds something to the film. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't need to be taken out, but yeah. Has anyone's final ratings changed at all? No, I would go for 11 now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I already love it. And I think for me, yeah. I will be honest, it has a lot of nostalgic value. So I do take that into account. Um, yeah. But chatting throughout with you guys like Gary you've said some things that I have never noticed and for the amount of times I've seen it I'm like that's shocking mm-hmm. I've never picked up on <laughs> so I think that's the beauty of it. it's one of those films you can watch over and over again and you will keep noticing new things so yeah, yeah. I'm yeah I'm sticking I'm sticking with a 10. Good. <laughs> Gary? Um, I'll stick with 9 out of 10 as well like you know going in it's a kids film that you're going to watch and there's not much of a change in it so yeah I'm just going to stick my actually just really quickly one of my favorite lines in it when we were talking about lines of dialogue me and my friend thomas used to watch this film all the time and when the pirates um come on to port royal and start trashing the place there's one pirate that runs past will turner and just shouts out of the way scum and hits him over the head and we always just burst out laughing and we used to rewind it and for that alone, that line, 9 out of 10 for this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. Means no. <laughs> yeah, that's good. My dad used to say that to us all the time when we asked for like a can of juice or something. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, I think I'm going to make my, ra- my, my rating. I think I'm going to make my rating 9 as well. Um I think it's clever, like with the little details and things. I totally missed all of those. So, yeah, I think I'll give it a nine as well. Eight point nine just moved up a little decimal. Yeah. <laughs> um, lovely. Well, we will now just take a little break and be back with a quiz, our fun fact of the day, and our short film recommendations. This dock is off limits to civilians. I'm terribly sorry, I didn't know. If I see one, I shall inform you immediately. Apparently there's some sort of high-toned and fancy to-do up at the fort, eh? How could it be that two upstanding gentlemen such as yourselves did not merit an invitation? Someone has to make sure this dock stays off limits to civilians. It's a fine goal, to be sure. But it seems to me that a, a ship like that makes this one here a bit superfluous, really. Oh, the Dauntless is the power in these waters, true enough. But there's no ship that can match the interceptor for speed. I've heard of one. It's supposed to be very fast, nigh uncatchable. The Black Pearl. <laughs> oh, there's no real ship that can match the interceptor. Black Pearl is a real ship. No, no, it's not. 
Yes, it is. I've seen it. You've seen it? Yes. You haven't seen it. Now we're going to have a quick fire quiz round. So Gary and I will ask Sarah five questions, each based on the film. And it's just for fun, Sarah. So stressed. Don't worry. <laughs> I've been there. Because <laughs> um, you, you always think you know everything about the film and then you yeah. get asked a question, you're like, I, I don't know. Totally. <laughs> well, when my questions, I think the first question was like, who directed Brave? And I went, why did I not check this? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about questions about the plot. Why was that one? Why did I not think of it? So God. don't worry. First question is, what is Will Turner's profession? He's a blacksmith. How does Jack win his first duel against Will? He puts like a sandbag or something over his head and kind of blinds him. Correct. Yes. Oh, what is the first thing Elizabeth sees in the water at the beginning of the film? Uh, well, I don't know what the first. I'm just going to say Will. I don't know. <laughs> It was an umbrella. Oh, an umbrella, so it is. Um, where do Will and Jack recruit the rest of their crew? In Tortuga. Yes. <laughs> How many days did Jack spend drinking rum when exiled to the island the first time? Three days, I think. Yes. Which sounds amazing, can I just say? I know. Say? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holiday. Yes, please. <laughs> um, okay, so what is the name of Barbosa's monkey? Jack. Yes. What is the name of the port that they'll live on? Port Royal? Yeah. Is it? Wow, I'm yeah. quite amazed I got that right. <laughs> okay. Who is Will Turner the son of? Bootstrap Bill Turner. Yes. What dining utensil gets stuck in Rigetti's eye? It's a fork. <laughs> I love Such that question. Such a good scene. Okay, and the last and final question. What is Commodore Norrington's first name? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Bill, uh, let's just go with Bill again. <laughs> it's James. Oh, Close. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was quite well done. I think what's that? Maybe seven, seven out of ten. I think. Yeah, something think so. like that. Well done. Yeah, I think I did. I did better than I expected myself to do. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you watch a film young, though. I feel like it gets implanted into your subconscious. <laughs> <Ingrained>. Yeah. <laughs> Only two people so far have had ten out of ten. So oh, really? Yeah, so yeah. Mm. Okay, I don't feel too bad then. I feel like <laughs> quite a good score. Okay, so now we're going to reveal our fun fact of the day. Um, so Gary, what is your fun fact? Okay, so mine is short and sweet. Sweet, sweet. Mine is, <laughs> mine is short and sweet. It is the average cork leaves the bottle at around 25 miles per hour. So when you pop champagne or Prosecco, mm. that's the speed that it leaves. Mm. That's pretty fast. That sounds like it could be lethal. Yeah. It can be. That's pretty dangerous. I need to be careful next time. Blind someone's, blind yeah. someone's eyes. Um, my fun fact is on the theme of pirates. Um, so pirates did actually wear eye patches so that it could help them help keep one eye adjusted to night vision. 
for seeing below deck. So that was quite interesting. Mm. That is interesting. I oh. thought it was actually to help when they were like looking through their telescopes and stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, that would make sense, yeah. Mm. Oh, I, th- I suppose it, it helps both. but um, And it mm. helps to keep them looking scary, which yeah. they really want. Inten- <laughs> intense. <laughs> yeah, it's a pirate sh- outfit. And what's your fun fact, Sarah? Okay, my fun fact, which is also pirate themed, is that they didn't really make people walk the plank. Um, although it's common misconception, apparently most of the time they just killed people straight away and didn't bother making them walk the plank, which is actually quite sad because I quite like the drama of yeah. walking the plank. Like, but yeah, I guess it does waste time. Yeah, <laughs> that is quite interesting. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing. <laughs> it is a bit disappointed. Yeah. I am a bit disappointed. I mean, I don't know if that's that's a hundred percent true, but yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Perfect. Well, just to round off the show, we're now going to recommend a short film that we've watched that is available online. Um, Gary, what's your short film? So I've been trying to do a lot of writing during lockdown and I've been looking at a lot of folklore stuff and I came across a short film called Wither and it's a 2019 British folklore film. It's got a lead child in it and I think she's only about 10 years old, but she's just got the most perfect facial expressions of being scared and stuff like that and I highly recommend it. It's only like five minutes long and there's very little dialogue. It's just all about tension and atmospheric eeriness and stuff like that. So yeah, that's my wee short film. Cool. Um, My recommendation is a short film called Howl. Uh, which was written, directed and edited by Cat Cloud and stars and was shot by Misha McCulloch. So it's been shot in lockdown. Um, But yeah, it's about a writer working to a deadline and basically how procrastination and thoughts and sometimes going down a rabbit hole can distract you and impact you. But um, yeah, it's all kind of voiceover narrated it's also got subtitles and it's just very clever how the subtitles change and reflection very like journal entry mm-hmm. um but yeah very clever and very honest as well um it's about six minutes long but yeah i really like that one that's my recommendation um nice. Nice. sarah what's your recommendation so mine is one for the horror fans i don't know if you guys are into horror movies but i absolutely love them it's like my favorite genre of film so me and my sisters will always watch horror films together and we watched one a couple of years ago called lights out i don't know if you've seen it um but so we watched we went to the cinema to see it and i didn't realize that after we came out the cinema my youngest sister emma said that oh that's actually based on a short film that's just on youtube and i was like what um and i went and looked it's just called lights out i think again it's like five minutes long um but yeah so basically they they got that's where they got that the concept for this this film and it's so good like even the short film although I mean it looks like a student production honestly like minimal minimal budget (laughs) so effective though so scary I jumped out my skin at the end like absolutely said fine and it's just on YouTube so anyone can watch it it actually shows as well that it's worth doing short films and like because they can go places and they can be adapted for feature and it is like a mini trailer mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that was so inspiring like and I genuinely didn't know that it was when we literally came out the the cinema screen and, and Emma was like that's a short film I've seen that on YouTube and I was like are you serious like that's really inspiring that's cool yeah perfect well Sarah thank you so much for joining us 
And Thanks for having me. That was so much I fun. <laughs> so nice to see you. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for bringing Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, it's been a lovely chat over that. <laughs> uh, I want to go watch it again now. Um, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and keep up to date with any projects and work that you've got going on at the moment? Yeah, um, I'm definitely most active on Instagram. So my handle is Sarah C. Meikle and Meikle spelled M-E-I-K-L-E because I know it's a bit of an awkward one. But yeah, so I'm on Instagram all the time um, and I'm currently working on a feature film which is hopefully going to get filmed this year. Um, It's called Skin Jacker and it's a a horror, sci-fi horror film. So we're crowdfunding for that right now. Still got, I think, two weeks left. Um, So yeah, I'm really, really excited about that. I'm just really hoping that everything goes ahead. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it looks great from what I've seen. Looks like the week. Yeah, I've got rehearsal for it. We're just obviously rehearsing on Zoom now, but I've got rehearsal for it tonight. Um, but yeah, the cast and crew are just amazing, and the script's so good. So yeah, it's oh, got a cool. lot of promise. I think. Um, if you send us a link to the crowdfunder, we can put it into the show notes as well. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I'll do that. Thank you. And I'm Rebecca Riddle, and you can follow me on Instagram at RiddleRebecca and Twitter at RiddleR. And I'm Gary, and you can follow me at HewittGPro on Twitter and Instagram. Lovely. And if you're loving what you're hearing, please subscribe and share what we're doing. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please remember to rate and review the podcast for us as well. You can also leave your comments and let us know your thoughts on the films at choosefilmpodcast at hotmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at filmchoose and on Instagram at choosefilmpodcast. Thanks. Thank you very much. Bye. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Bye.